The Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 9. Road Trip October 1st to October 4th. My aunt's wedding. I was going to be free from hazing for an entire weekend, and a free pledge was a happy pledge. When I told the guys in the fraternity that I had to go home for my aunt's wedding, they thought I was bullshitting. They asked why I would go to my aunt's wedding, but the sad truth was, she didn't have anyone else. I wondered if people needed to get out of pledging so badly that they would drive four to five hours home just to be safe for a weekend. I suppose I didn't have to wonder if they were asking me. It had probably happened in the past. Did you ever lie and say that you were going out of town and hide somewhere? I I rarely wanted to go home, so I think I stuck it out the whole pledging process. Do you know of anybody that did? Well, I mean, it was just me and Chippy, so I, I don't think so. Okay. Their bantering wasn't going to stop me from making it home for my aunt's wedding. In all honesty, I did feel bad leaving James, John, and Tony, because I felt like they would get hazed worse with me gone. I thought they may have to do a lot of horrible things without me there. What am I talking about? I had a free weekend to enjoy. My Aunt Tina was going to marry a guy I liked. His name was Jim, and he was slightly shorter than me and just as skinny. I used to work with him at a restaurant in Virginia Beach. It was named Beach Bites and Burgers, and he was the head chef. I was fired from the restaurant in high school. I got a call when I was at school one day. It was the restaurant's owner. He told me that he was reviewing surveillance camera footage of the parking lot, and he noticed I was taking employees into my parents' purple minivan to take bong hits during breaks. He wasn't going to call the cops, but said that he didn't want that around his business. I was fired. It was a dumb maneuver by an immature youngster. So I was in a co-op program at the same time. and I, I was, Look, I respect it. <laughs> I had to get a job uh, at a gas station to finish out my co-op because I had to get work hours for high school for because I was in a marketing class and that was part of it. I mean, it, it makes sense. I learned a lot of humility at 16, 17, 18 working at a gas station. You did what you had to do. And I still do. In retrospect, so is this entire novel, but it makes for a great story. My dad told me that no matter what, I had to be home for Tina's wedding. She didn't have anyone else in her life. At the last minute, I called my friend Cindy to pick me up, since she was going to the wedding as well. She went to a college close by. She agreed to pick me up, as long as I would watch her volleyball game. I went and watched the game. During the game, I saw a girl on the other team get smoked in the face by a volleyball. She went down to the ground hard, and the referee blew his whistle. While the injured girl's teammates crowded around her, I stood up and started cheering. This was the first college volleyball game I had been to, and I wasn't sure if this was the appropriate reaction. I was proud that Cindy's team was not only kicking ass, but literally giving the opposite team facelifts in the process. I don't want to spoil what comes in the next couple sentences, but let me tell you guys this. It was not the appropriate reaction. 
I don't think I ever... I don't remember any volleyball games in college, but I remember going to a field hockey game or two. Volleyball games are vicious, and... Maybe I went to one or two volleyball games. Maybe. It was the only one I'd ever been to, so watching a girl get hit in the face with the ball, I was like, oh, sweet, they did what they were supposed to do. Now they took out one of their players. How are they going to play short? They win. But I guess the objective is not to hurt the other team. When I started cheering, every other spectator fell silent and looked at me with absolute hatred. I wish there had been more people there, so I could have hidden my face in the crowd. I was the only person within a 20-foot radius sitting in the section I was in. It was obvious I was the one cheering that a young woman just got hit in the face. The players on the court helped their teammate off the court, and then the crowd clapped for the girl's ability to walk. I could have held on to my cheer, and cheered a few seconds later without the looks of hostility. After the game, Cindy had to get some physiotherapy done and asked me to come back with her. In the same room, there was a smoking hot girl also receiving physiotherapy. It was hard, if not impossible, to concentrate on the questions Cindy was asking me about school. I was just trying to control my arousal. It was hard to concentrate with another girl's inner thighs being massaged a few tables over by an equally attractive physiotherapist. Not only was the woman massaging the young voluptuous athlete's thigh, but she was asking how it felt. The other girl said, higher, and let out painful, yet pleasantly orgasmic sounding, oh, and ahs, while her thigh was being rubbed back into game shape. Cindy eventually noticed I wasn't paying attention to her, and just stopped talking to me until she was done. After the physiotherapy session was over, we got into her car and drove around her campus, heading to the highway after my tour. She asked if I had to go to the bathroom before we left, but I said no because the old bladder was bone dry. On the long drive back to Virginia Beach, we talked about everything from politics to parties. I asked her about my fraternity, but she told me she didn't have a SIG H at her school. She did say that the SIG H fraternity at Longwood University ran the show and that SIG H and Longwood had some of the biggest field parties in the state. She said she had a new alpha fraternity at her school and they had a bad reputation for date-raping girls. During the drive, I said I just wanted to let you know I have a half ounce of weed in my bag. She paused and looked at me, and said, Well, it's yours if we get pulled over, but don't worry, my boyfriend smokes. I just can't, because they have random drug tests for volleyball, and I wouldn't want to lose my scholarship. It turned out she didn't even want to play volleyball. She wanted to run track and field, but she couldn't get any scholarships for it and didn't want to let her parents down. More importantly, as I was becoming older, I realized how many family members, friends, and acquaintances did drugs or were comfortable with drug use. It took us about five hours to get to my dad's house, where Cindy stayed for the night. I think I wasn't... It wasn't until I was 20 or 21 that I realized that a large majority of people are medicated on something. Yeah, life is hard. If it's from blood thinners to booze to too much sugar, yeah. caffeine. Yeah, yeah, like like just, just being a human being is just a difficult process. Most people need some kind of medicine just to stay alive. Yeah. Like and, God or, bless or modern to medicine. Have the will to stay alive. Absolutely. 
My dad had a very big house, so it was quite accommodating when we had friends or family that needed a place to stay when visiting from out of town. When we pulled into the driveway, I was hit with the most nostalgic feeling. I felt at peace being back home. It was a good break from the high-paced environment of the college life that I had adjusted myself to. I had so much energy, it was almost like I couldn't relax. I went out to the garage to see my old friend, the bong, and I was finally able to chill. I had hidden all my paraphernalia in one of the house's attics. It had several, so that my siblings wouldn't find anything while I was gone for the semester. I smoked some weed and drank probably about a gallon of water because I had such bad cotton mouth. I woke up in the middle of the night in a completely dark room having to pee. The room was completely absent of light. Not even light shined underneath the bedroom door. So it might have seemed like an irrelevant fact earlier when I said my bladder was bone dry, but my bladder was bone dry. So I didn't go to the bathroom all day and I drank so much fucking water before I went to bed. So what's this I'm looking at here? I just sent you a picture of the house that it was. Oh, this is where the the wedding took place? Wait, what? Uh, no, this is where this story takes place in okay. that right room. Obviously, people that are listening can't see it, but Eric is just looking at a very it large like house. It's a, it's a, it's a two-story brick-faced house, five windows across the top uh, center window over top the center door, two windows on the bottom floor on either side of the door. Perfect. And then it looks like there's an attached the... building. And that's... Apologies. That's okay, and that's the that's the room that I'm in right now. One of those rooms. Gotcha. Room since I was gone, and they had removed all the lamps in the room that were critical to my ability to be able to find the door. I was so high, tired, and confused that I couldn't find the door to get out of the bedroom. It was like an absolute nightmare as I panicked. I already had to pee, but when I started panicking, I couldn't contain myself anymore. I started racing all over the dark room, tripping over objects and bumping into furniture, stubbing my toes in the process. I tripped and fell into the dark abyss of a nightmare room, until I finally pissed all over myself and the beautiful old hardwood floor. By the time I finally found the door, it was pointless. I got the door unlocked, went into the bathroom, and let the few driblets out that I had left in me. I shamefully went to the kitchen and turned on a light to reveal the bedroom maze. I grabbed some paper towels and Windex to clean my midnight mess. I had emptied 95% of the tank in the bedroom at 18 years old. The irony was that this happened just a week or two after I was making fun of John Knowles for the same thing, except he was completely blacked out drunk. Teen we all piss ourselves sometimes. <laughs> Completely sober. I mean, well, I was high, but that's no excuse. I, the room was just so dark. It was like being trapped in a dark madness of a maze. Yeah, terror will make you piss yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> His wedding was the next day, and everyone was in a chaotic panic trying to get things in order. I did everything I could to help because it was her special day. I put on a suit that my dad had rented for me. I had to be sure not to destroy it, or my dad would kill me. I had already heard his Porsche not too long before, and gotten two alcohol charges. I needed to be the good son for a while, and not puke on the suit, or spill any food. 
Her wedding was at a beach restaurant and banquet hall called the Swordfish Inn. This was an extra special event because the Swordfish Inn was set to be relocated a few months after my aunt's wedding. It would be one of the last weddings held at the location. It was bought and moved to North Carolina on a shipping barge. It was an excellent location for a wedding. The Swordfish Inn was a large multiple-story building that had the appearance of a giant beach bungalow. The wedding was well decorated, but the decor was vastly overshadowed by the amazing view of the sunset over the beach. The Swordfish Inn's banquet room had glass walls which gave a perfect view of the ocean. When it was time for the ceremony, we moved under a massive outdoor tent which was next to the banquet room. When the minister began reading the vows, I almost started crying because it was so beautiful and because I was high. I had never seen my aunt as a beautiful woman before. I had always just seen her as Tina. Tina was the aunt, the waitress, and the babysitter. She hated to babysit me as a kid because I wouldn't ever go to sleep. All I wanted to do was hang out with her and her girlfriends late at night. Mostly her girlfriends. While the minister was reading, my aunt looked very happy. She was holding back tears that can only be seen from a truly happy woman. Jim and Tina exchanged their own vows, kissed, and walked down the aisle together. My aunt looked lovely, and she deserved the happiness that came with being a newlywed. After they walked down the aisle, the wedding party walked over to the beach and took pictures with the photographer. The pictures couldn't have been timed more perfectly. The sun was setting, the sky was blue and beautiful, and the ocean's waves acted as a great background for the photos. With our shoes off and toes in the sand, we took some amazing pictures together. These were pictures that Tina would be able to cherish for a lifetime, or at least until a divorce. Once we were done taking the pictures, we went for dinner. Dinner is where the trouble started. My aunt's friends gave speeches during dinner, and they were well written. My aunt had a lot of friends that cared about her, and would do anything for her. At the end of the speeches, Jim announced to everyone that they should make their way to the bar for drinks. It was an open bar, but they were carting. I walked up to the bar and said, Hello, I'd like a rum and coke, please. The bartender looked me up and down and said, Do you have ID? Of course not. This is my aunt's wedding. I didn't know I needed it. I felt so embarrassed and belittled. I thought I would be able to get a drink at the bar at my own family member's wedding. It seemed that being underage had now screwed me three times in a month. I thought that college was supposed to be a time for drinking and having fun. It seemed like for me, college was more of a time for getting charges and court cases and not being able to drink at my aunt's wedding. When I got denied at the bar, Tanner Howard happened to be standing there ordering drinks. Tanner was a SIGH legacy from Longwood, where he had some amazing stories that he shared with me. When Tanner heard the bartender deny me, he stopped who he was talking to and said, It's his aunt's wedding, man. His family's paying for this. You're telling me he can't have a drink? The bartender replied, Sorry, sir. I can only give alcohol to those with ID. The way he said it suggested that he would be happy to sell Tanner the alcohol and Tanner could give it to me. Tanner bought two tequila shots and gave me one of the shots in front of the bartender. After that, it was on. This isn't included in the story, but I did just think of this. The bartender was like, come on, man, at least do it away from the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I was asking Tanner to buy me a rum and coke every 10 minutes. I started to bug him so much 
that he told me to ask someone else to be my drink mule. So I did. I used my adolescent need for alcohol as an opportunity to start asking people I didn't know to buy me drinks. I would introduce myself and shortly thereafter ask for alcohol. If I asked a person to buy me drinks but they were too slow, I would ask someone else. Conveniently for me, there were a lot of people at the wedding and many of them supported my underage drinking. I asked quite a few people if they wouldn't mind getting me a drink and putting it on my table. By the time I got back to my table, I had eight rum and cokes sitting beside my plate. It was way overboard for alcohol, and there was no way I would be able to finish eight drinks. It was actually quite fucking ridiculous. It looked like a tray. Like they had just dumped a whole tray of drinks onto where my plate was supposed to go. So I hadn't even eaten yet. I was coming back and with my plate of food. you had a tray of liquor drinks. Yes. And I had already started with tequila shots and rum and cokes. Out of control. So my dad, I've already fucked up his Porsche. I've gotten two alcohol charges. He's given me a wad of cash. Uh, and now we'll see how the rest of this night goes. Because I'm staying in his house in a suit that he rented for me especially after I had 10 drinks before coming back to my table. I had mixed rum, tequila, and vodka within a few hours. After the delicious dinner, kind-hearted speeches, and a few hours of socializing, we went outside so Tina could throw the bouquet and her garter belt. After she did that, Jim and Tina had their first dance. When they were done dancing, we started dancing. Walk Like an Egyptian wasn't played. Jim and Tina left sometime after dancing. The bridesmaids and a few of us went out for some drinks afterward. We took a limo from the wedding to Beach Bites and Burgers. This was the restaurant my aunt worked at that I got fired from in high school. It was a 20-minute drive I used to try drinking champagne in the limo. As we drove towards Beach Bites and Burgers, I thought I was pretty hammered and better take it easy if I planned on making it through the night. I wouldn't make it through the night, though, not without my first blackout. When we got to Beach Bites and Burgers, it was already into the late hours of the morning. We sat at the outside patio together because the bar was closed. The servers that couldn't come to Tina's wedding but wanted to hang out opened up the bar for just us. I didn't know what to order when we were there. I asked for something different, and Zach ordered me a Moosehead. Moosehead is a Canadian beer from my native land. I figured it would be perfect to try out. Boy, was I wrong. The moosehead was the negative turning point in the evening for me. While I started drinking it, I felt gaggy, but moved through the feeling and continued socializing. The moosehead was the negative turning point in the evening for me. While I started drinking it, I felt gaggy, but moved through the feeling and continued socializing. All doubles have there been There we removed. were, having a blast as a wedding party. There were quite a few of us there, but I could only visually remember my cousin Zach and Jenny my aunt's best friend. We hung out for a little bit, talking, me drinking the moosehead the entire time. I flirted with Jenny, but she was more interested in Zach. I felt like Zach was either going to bang Jenny, or they were already banging. They just started giving off that bang vibe. Things started becoming blurry when Heidi and Tanisha showed up. Heidi and Tanisha both worked at Beach Bites and Burgers and asked me if I wanted to hang out. Ever since I was about 15, I had a crush on both of them. Heidi was blonde and beautiful with a great tan, bright white teeth, and cat eyes. She was a year or two older than me, 
but grew up on the beach. She had a fake ID and wouldn't get carded if we went to a bar. Tanisha was a super hot MILF in her 30s, with a tight skinny body, gorgeous face, and she wore clothes like she was 18, but pulled it off quite well. They took me to a pizzeria that was also a bar. It was closed at the time, and I didn't have an ID. I was also underage, and I was completely wasted in my rented tuxedo. From what I remember, Tanisha got us in for some shots. I was already so wasted when we got in there. It was just me, the two girls, and one bartender. They ordered me a kamikaze shot, and I drank it no problem. Up until getting in the limo to Beach Bites and Burgers, everything was just a bit blurry and fuzzy. After the shot, that wonderful little kamikaze shot of alcohol that suicide bombed my liver, I was blackout drunk. Blackout drunk and ready to spew. A few minutes later, my legs started to give out, and both of them had to carry me back to Beach Bites and Burgers. The two gorgeous women had a tough time carrying me back. There I was, tall, skinny, in a couple thousand dollar rented suit, with shaggy hair, being carried by two very attractive blonde bartenders to Beach Bites and Burgers. When they brought me back to Beach Bites and Burgers, I was sat down with my family and friends. I was still trying to keep the party going and wanted to drink. They tried feeding me water and said they were going to call me a cab. Before the cab even showed up, I was talking to Zach, telling him that I didn't feel so well. Then I puked all over him and his nice shirt. He had taken his suit jacket off, thank God. I threw up all over the table in front of Heidi, Jenny, Tanisha, Zach, and the rest of the wedding party. It was like a spray puke. So I was looking at him who was right beside me and all the girls were across from us. And I said, I don't feel so good. Blah! And it hit him. And then I was like, oh no, it's hitting him. So I turned away and I hit like all over the table in front of these girls. And they're like, oh my God. You're out of control. Ruined everyone's good time at that moment. It must have been amazing for me though. Because according to what I heard the next day, I tried cleaning Zach off and then started puking more all over the patio. Everyone was telling me I couldn't puke on the patio. I sat back in my chair and started puking over the patio's railing. Still, that does seem logical to me. So they, they were saying, you can't puke on the patio, Mike. You can't puke outside. Stop puking on the patio. So then but you weren't on the patio. Technically, you were puking over the patio. Yeah. So then I lean back and I start puking over the patio. Into the nice garden the restaurant had beside it. Now I had puked on the patio area and taken bong hits in the parking lot. I had completely desecrated my relationship with Beach Bites and Burgers. The cab showed up, but I didn't have a dollar to my name. Zach walked me to the cab because he was the only one strong enough to carry me himself. He told me that he looked at me dead in the face, gaining my attention, and said, Mike, here's $50. I only have 50s. Make sure you get the change when you get home, or wherever you're going. I fell into the cab and gave the driver my address. He dropped me off, and I gave him the $50. I somehow managed to make it into my house and my bed, safely. The next morning, I awoke with a lot of questions. The first was obviously, what happened? The second, how did I get here? The third, and probably the most important, why am I naked? 
We're not talking boxers naked. We're talking penis a-flopping. I didn't know what had happened to me the night before, and I felt so exposed. When I started to roll out of bed, I had to grab my throbbing head. I can't remember who is the star of that movie, The Animal, but when he just has blackouts and he wakes up beside <laughs> dead Rob animals. Schneider. Rob Schneider, yes. So, Rob Schneider. So when Rob Schneider wakes up beside dead animals, that is hysterical. The same thing happens in um, uh, Beer Fest, I believe it is. And the guy <laughs> that that plays a prostitute wakes up beside a dead elk or something, and he's covered in blood. This is what I felt like, because this was my first legitimate blackout that I remember. There might have been another one before this in the book, but one of my first couple, and I'm waking up naked. I believe the only blackouts I've ever had, I had at Radford. Okay, so they're terrifying wherever they are. It It's less terrifying, I think. You know what? Radford is a, a cesspool of fun, so it it's probably worse outside of Radford, though. I feel like there's more consequences outside of Radford. I don't know. There's a larger scale of death. <laughs> the The scale goes higher. I digress. I had the worst headache I've had in my life. I walked to the bathroom and pissed for a few minutes. When I managed to regain the power to speak, I walked into the kitchen and said hi to everyone. There were strangers in the kitchen, living room, and on the back deck. My parents had a platter of food spread in the kitchen from counter to counter. There were bagels, chocolates, fresh fruits, small treats, and leftover desserts from the wedding. It was like they robbed a pastry and bagel shop. Like, both of those stores. I have never seen a larger smorgasbord of food spread in somebody's house that a pothead would love in my life, but been so blacked out and hung over that I didn't want to touch any of it. Don't want anything, yeah. That, I was that way at my, uh, one, of my, one of my cousin's weddings. Like, it was the most amazing spread of breakfast food, and I was just like, oh, I can't eat anything about anything I see. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible thing, especially when somebody's paying anything for it. I wanted to throw up. I walked outside to talk to everyone. My parents had a lot of company on their massive deck. Before I could get a word out, there was a unanimous, There he is! from everyone on the back deck. How you doing, buddy? My dad asked. It was like everybody that I had asked to buy me a drink the night before had come the next morning to see already to watch the the their the fruits of their labors. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, how's it going, guys? We brought coffee. Uh, we just wanted to come and see how everybody is. Oh yeah, how about your son? Oh, he's still. Uh, we can hang around for a couple minutes. being able to contain his laughter, I asked how I ended up naked. Cindy explained to me that she heard me crash inside and fall asleep on the kitchen floor. I had no shame either. I just asked in front of everybody because I assumed that Why it was... Why was a... I naked? Because everyone already knows. <laughs> yes, I assumed that it was known, so I have no shame at all. I'm just like, why did I wake up naked? And everybody laughed, but then I'm like, okay, seriously, Cindy, why did I wake up naked? When she came to the kitchen and realized how drunk I was, 
she took me into my room. Due to my inability to do much of anything, she helped me take my suit off. She thought I would destroy it if I slept in it drunk. It gets worse. When I asked how I ended up naked, she said, Oh, you did that by yourself. She said I was so drunk, I pulled down my boxers and said, Look at that! and started whipping my dick around. After the embarrassment was over, we sat in So, <laughs> when Matt a comes out... for that move. That's, that's actually when the embarrassment comes out, because it's just young shame. <laughs> young embarrassment. Now, I think it's hysterical, and I, I respect my young boldness. And talked for a bit, and I started piecing together my night. I took a shower and hated the water hitting my head. It sounded like a water cannon. When I was all showered up, we headed to brunch. Cindy was the one who drove me to the restaurant for brunch, so it was a quiet drive. You ever had a hangover so bad you contemplated death? This was one of those hangovers. I've definitely had that kind of hangover. Where it just doesn't definitely. go away, and you're like, I don't care. Let's, let's like just the, end when, it right now. Like, into the second day, we're like... Is this it? Is this the end? Is this how the rest of my life is? Am I just hung over forever now? And you have to do things for other people. Like, life continues yeah, to go you on. To function. You have to go to work. You have to get up. You have to do things. Absolutely. And in this case, I have to find out what happened the night before. I didn't have a choice in going, because I had to know what happened the night before. The only way I was going to find that out was by performing a thorough investigation of everyone that I was with the night before. I don't know why we decided to go for brunch when there was so much we could eat at the house. It was probably because Zach didn't want to see me. That, and my sneaking suspicion that he was fucking Jenny, and they were trying to keep it on the down low. We went to eat at some Mexican restaurant close by, and when I got there, I felt sick to my stomach. I kept thinking that all my secrets could be out there, every skeleton. What did I say? What did I do? I went there because I needed to put together the pieces, no matter how shitty I felt. The further away I moved from the night, the less of a chance I would have at remembering it. I kept thinking that all my secrets could be out there. Every skeleton. What did I say? What did I do? I went there because I needed to put together the pieces, no matter how shitty I felt. The further away I moved from the night, the less of a chance I would have remembering it. When I walked into the restaurant, the scowl from my cousin Zach was ridiculous. He filled me in on everything that I had done the night before. Well, not everything, but everything he witnessed at Beach Bites and Burgers, where the after-party happened. He said, You probably felt like you were on top of the world. You must have been, because when you puked all over me, you could hear it from towns away. I was so embarrassed. He told me that he was still mad at me. Zach said I was lucky he took off his suit jacket, because if I would have puked on his suit, he would have punched me in the face. That was some tall talk from a shorter guy, so I knew I had probably been a pretty big dick to rile him up that much. I told him I appreciated him using restraint, and said that it was a pretty crazy night for me too. Certain images started to come back to me the more questions I asked, and the more Zach told me through his clenched teeth. I could barely get my meal down, and at one point, I excused myself and said I had to go to the bathroom. I couldn't even keep composure. I full-blown sprinted to the bathroom and puked in a urinal. Usually, I'm not that guy, but the bathroom had the weirdest design ever. It was like a goddamn maze to get to the toilet, and the trash can had a weird lid thing on it. 
I think I'm just directionally challenged. Absurdly directionally challenged. In one chapter, I have managed to get lost in a black bedroom maze and piss all over the floor. Yeah, and you're struggling. And now I'm puking into a men's urinal in a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, you you got to get it together. <laughs> I am I am absolutely losing it. I couldn't puke in the sink because that's where people wash their hands, and it wasn't like anyone physically touches inside a urinal unless they are the ones cleaning it. All of these thoughts raced through my head in moments. I'd never witnessed anyone puking or pooping into a urinal until that day. I have seen vomit and a log of shit in a urinal, though, and on those occasions, I thought, who would do that, and why couldn't they make it the few extra feet to a toilet? After that day, I knew how those terrible bathroom accidents occurred, because I was one of those people. As if it were possible, my luck instantly became much worse. It wouldn't flush, because it had a rubber urinal filter in it. After trying to flush it down, I gave up and dashed out of the bathroom. When I came to the table, Zach asked me, What happened to the change from the cab money I gave you last night? I said, What cab money? Up until that point, I had no idea he was the one who had paid for my cab back home. Not only had I puked on the kid, but I had also taken $50 from him. Now I was really surprised he hadn't hit me yet. I hope Jenny gave him some good ass the night before, because he certainly deserved it. I told Zach I didn't have his change, and explained I didn't remember any of that, but that I would give him $50. He told me that I didn't have to worry about paying him back. He said that watching me throw up all night, and witnessing the after-effects that I was experiencing in the form of my hangover, were repayment enough. I know myself because I'm the same person to this day. I guarantee the cab driver was like, no, no, take your change. And I was like, no, don't fucking worry about it. Take it. It's on me, man. I have a great night. You deserved it. You deserved it, cab guy. You earned this. Yeah, you had to put up with me. That pays by the second. I hugged him and we finished lunch. I said bye to Jenny, who stayed at the restaurant. When I got home, I was still trying to picture all of the events Zach had told me. When I got home, I was still trying to picture all of the events Zach had told me. I concluded that the only reason I blacked out was because my aunt had a wedding that was carting. When I got back to the house, Cindy and I gathered our things and took some tokes out of my beautiful bong. When we were done, I wrapped the bong in its protective Martha Stewart towel and shoved it back in one of the attics. I said my goodbyes and promised my dad I would try to limit my drinking so I wouldn't black out as much. He gave me some money for food and books. Then he gave me a big long hug and said, Goodbye, son. I love you. Stay safe. It was a shameful day and it was an even worse road trip back to school. My head was aching in pain and my stomach was turning. I wouldn't tell a soul about pissing in my bedroom. Instead, I would happily share my blacking out and puking on my cousin. My righteous story would prove I was at a wedding and not hiding in an underground pledge assistance bunker somewhere in the foothills. It was a shameful day, and it was an even worse road trip back to school. My head was aching in pain, and my stomach was turning. I wouldn't tell a soul about pissing in my bedroom. Instead, I would happily share my blacking out and puking on my cousin. My righteous story would prove I was at a wedding and not hiding in an underground pledge assistance bunker somewhere in the foothills. The trip back to Radford was long, and I tried sleeping the whole way. 
It didn't work because I was too hungover and I felt like death the entire drive. When Cindy dropped me off at my dorm, I thanked her, grabbed my bag, and head for my bed. I couldn't wait to hit the sack. When I walked by John's room, his door was open and he said, Hey, Strikes! He was so excited to see me, like a puppy. I said, Hey! and kept walking to my room and started unlocking my door. I couldn't wait to throw my bag down and hit my bed. John came out into the hallway and said, Hey man, do you want to blaze? We have the night off tonight. How about in a few hours, bro? I'm hungover to shit. I sighed, hoping he would understand. Okay, I'll wake you up in a few hours. Hey, Muse Kitchen is going to close soon. Do you want me to bring you some breadsticks and fries? John offered. I'd love that, man. I said. Paul was off fucking a girl on our floor, so I had the room to myself. I passed out immediately. I was woken up to John shaking me. He was holding an open-to-go box with fries and garlic cheese sticks in it. He was shoveling a cheese stick into his mouth while saying, Strikes! Strikes! Wake up! I brought you food! I looked over at my clock and saw that only 24 minutes had gone by. What a dick. I was so tired and hungover, but the sight of the greasy food, for once, in that miserable day, actually looked appetizing. So John always talked with his mouth open when he was eating. So he's just like, he strike. Just, he you're, you're not exaggerating enough when it comes to this. He didn't just talk with his mouth full when he was eating. When he ate, he shoved all the food possible into his mouth before he started to chew. <laughs> he looked like a chipmunk when he, like, I don't know if he was just worried that he wasn't going to be able to finish a meal, so he just would shovel and shovel and shovel and stuff his cheeks and, and like, and yeah, he would continue to talk even though <laughs> his mouth was completely obliterated full of food. So there's just food falling out of his mouth while he's, like, poking me with <laughs> cheese sticks and he's like, strikes! Well, strikes, I wake up! see this. I can see this so clearly. And I, I don't look at him. I just look at the alarm clock. And I'm like, God, this guy. He has so and, much and energy. And grin, too. Not just that, but the mouth full like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Greasy food helps with hangovers, buddy, John said. It was the only shit I could eat after we got blasted celebrating football games we won back home. John and I sat eating breadsticks in my room. He had his feet kicked up on my keyboard at my desk and I was chilling on top of my covers with my clothes on. It was a relaxing way to end the intoxicating weekend adventure. So I think it's worth noting that I was 18 at the time. This was my first bar experience, and my bar experience was because it's 21 to drink in Virginia, where the story is based. Uh, I got to drink at two closed bars. And drink in front of a bartender that refused to let me have alcohol. My prior experience, my only other bar prior experience to this, is in high school. I went to Florida and we got into a bar because my parents were on a resort and they had a bar on the resort. And there was wristbands, so I took one of my parents' wristbands. And when I got to the bar, the wristbands aren't supposed to be carded. But they were like, can I see your ID? And I'm like, God Fucking damn it. So I I just turned around and left and then avoided the bar for the rest of the... So that was my only other experience. And in this experience, I got to basically go to three bars in one night. Two, really, that were both closed and served me underage. What a wild story, man. What a wild story. Don't interrupt me like that. I don't don't think that... uh, I don't think that you had... You had 
I don't think I've heard that one before. I I think that I mean you came back and you were pledging, so like there wasn't time for you to tell the story of what happened when you went away. Yeah, so I pissed myself in a darked out room in my dad's house and got to go went to, to a wedding. Yeah, my... got, got to drink it late at a bar. <laughs> and got naked in front of a friend and was whipping my dick around. In my typical Saturday. Which will just lead us into the very next podcast. Beautiful.